0: Hello everyone and welcome to the Risk Acumen podcast, which offers thoughtful insight around risk management. According to the latest BCI Horizon Scan report, there's been a significant increase recently in the number of organisations seeking to align with the Business Continuity Management Standard ISO 22301. In many ways, this isn't surprising, as we've all seen over the past two years, that events really can lead to significant disruption. My guest today, Colin Crone, who is Director at IT Construct, is an implementer, an auditor for ISO 22301. And we're going to be talking about the Business Continuity Standard today, its benefits, some of the barriers to implementation, as well as a few of the current hot topics around resilience. Hi, Colin. Thanks for joining me.
1: Hi, Johnny. How are you?
0: Yeah, I'm great. Thanks. You?
1: Yeah, not bad, thank you.
0: Good, good, good. Okay, so before we get on to the, the ISO standard, tell me a bit about your background and the work you do, not only with IT Construct, but also the International Standards Organization and BSI as well, of course.
1: So we'll start from home, The my, com- my company, IT Construct. Yeah. We set up frameworks and ISO standards, frameworks for our clients. Um, uh, 22301 is a big one. Uh, yeah. 27001 is another one. And 9001 is probably the third. Uh, we like to think ourselves as people in the resilience business to help every- to help companies go can Keep on going, and um, but do you know producing what's best for them, and working um, not in a disruptive way, but making sure that this whatever the systems they implement work with them. Yep. My work with uh, BSI, uh, I've uh, I'm an associate partner with them, so I get involved in some projects with them, but also more importantly, I'm an expert on both. Um, unfortunately, it's not the disaster recovery 22301, but I'm on cybersecurity and AI standards. Yeah, But uh, that we get together and we help um, get sort of the language of a standard to be universally understood. I'm,
0: I'm really biting my lip here, Colin, because AI, I think will be a fascinating conversation as well. <laughs> but if we get started on that. When we may find ourselves 20, 25 minutes in and don't have time to talk about the <laughs> business continuity standard.
1: Yeah, true. No, I agree. It's It's a fascinating area, but maybe you can call me back and we can talk about the risks of AI and so on. Because yeah. I'm a little bit involved in that, but that's, that is another subject. It's a very big subject and it's fascinating. I'm having very interesting conversations over the yeah. last couple of years.
0: Another, another question I'd like to ask is, what's your motivation, Colin? Why are you into standards and 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 helping organisations to comply with them?
1: My interest in in standards sort of goes back to my IT career. I was a head of sort of various companies, head of IT for various companies, yeah. and I sort of valued having something that was already done before me. I didn't have to reinvent the wheel. And that sort of grew me. And when I started working independently and developing my own company and concept, I was always following standards that needed to be that would help other people understand what I was doing. Yeah. And with that belief and also these standards are worked out, these frameworks are worked out to, you know, be the best. There's no ambiguity about them. They're quite the language is simple, uh as simple as it can be, and as universally understood. And so when you see uh, a mark like ISO 27001 or 22301, other customer hopefully customers or suppliers or whoever would see that, recognize you as an organization that take your your infrastructure, your whole st- uh, side of things seriously. And um, I think being part of that sort of setup, to me, is quite fulfilling and, and brings, brings a lot to me to... Uh, you know, at the end of each project, they've got it and it works for them.
0: So it's good for people to have that that framework so that they can uh, so they can improve, in essence, yeah.
1: Yes, the whole point of ISO standards, especially in the uh, well, in everything, is the continuous improvements. The that's why you have it audited. That's why you have it. You have review sessions which are embedded on it. So it means that when you look at it, you can say, "How can I do this better?" Even if mm. it works, is how can this work better for us?
0: Okay, so. ISO 22301. I have to keep concentrating, Colin, to make sure that I say that correctly. You know, mm-hmm, is it 22301? You know, is it twenty two thousand yeah. three zero one? And I know it mm-hmm. varies between the different <laughs> ISOs. So apologies if at any point in this, I, I, I get it wrong. But what, what does it cover, Colin?
1: It, it, start, it What it does, and uh, keep in mind that all standards are built for a company of any size and any sophistication so there 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 are guidelines and how to create a a disaster recovery stroke business continuity framework system that works for your company that's that's kind of the the mission Mm -hmm. and through that it considers it guides us to get leadership involved to have common language involved to organize uh, people who are competent at their work to make sure that that, that they are there, to so have even the finances organized, and make mm-hmm. sure one thing that probably isn't considered, because uh, I do have conversations with people, and they say, and I would ask, so how are you going to pay for this? And they go, well, I've got a credit card. And you think, well, what happens if you have a big purchase that month, and your credit card is maxed out, and you need a couple of laptops because there are buildings being broken into, or there's some you can't get into the office, but you need the technology that's in there. And sure, you can get it delivered next day and get it going, or even a couple of hours, but you still need the funding, the money to pay for that, unless you've got it. You know, so there's there's little. That's a little example, but it goes up and up and up. So there's always a need to have some sort of contingency for budgeting, for finance, for the possibility of something like this going wrong—it doesn't have to be actually money in the bank. It could just be a, a credit, a line, a line of credit, or insurance, or something like that. Yeah. So
0: yeah. So in essence, it's about being being prepared and and having some kind of plan.
1: Exactly, and uh, not only being well, part of the being prepared and having the plan is actually rehearsing it. Yeah. You don't have to go through a, a full scale lockdown or you know lock everyone out of the office. You can do desktop. Scenario planning, which mm-hmm. uh, uh, I highly recommend, the NCSC, which is the National Cyber Security Centre, that it has um, uh, have exercise in a box series of potential mm-hmm. disasters. So there could be small malware. Well, when I say small, there could be malware attacks. And uh, they have a plan, build up the whole background story. Then it, it, you 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 act it out and see how you do. And then you have like a summary at the end. With it's it's like doing an exam, really. They have the marks point system. And as long as you read the notes before, and you have a plan, you should get through it fine. But then hopefully, and this is what you really want to see is where it went wrong. You know, if it didn't go wrong somewhere, that's amazing. But mm, I, you know, you, you have to question: is that actually right? But yeah. hopefully you'll see where the flaws in your plan are and then you can sort of go back and fix it. And that's, yeah, if you just go to the NCSC website and just search for exercise in the box, that's where you'll you'll find a whole series of them.
0: Great. You mentioned malware there. I mean, I, I, I don't want to get into, into detail, but I'm, I'm interested to know from your perspective, what you see currently as the big issues and the emerging threats calling around resilience and continuity
1: well I think um it is a massive threat malware yeah. and that's again that's quite a big com- that's an area a big area in the ISO 27001 standard and it's a real possibility as well we've seen I mean okay it was the NHS I think it was back in 2000 in 13 something like that got a massive infection and they were they were out of action for quite a while and a lot of information was lost a lot of patients information stolen and so on so they learned from that they've they've got a very strong robust security system up and operating now Mm -hmm. so um no, but that's a bad way of learning from it. Maybe we know what the problems were. And uh, they reviewed that. And we also the recovery wasn't very good either. They hadn't really considered it as a possibility. So malware is always a possibility. And there's simple things to help you. It's like continuously back up, get a good backup setup. And um, just have a good IT support. People who can jump to it if they need to. Jump to it and sort out your computers for you.
0: Okay, so going back to the standard... Why should organisations align their processes and their procedures to the ISO standard? What, what for you are the, are the key benefits, Colin?
1: It's universal. So if you need someone to help you uh, with it, they will understand pretty much everything that needs to be understood about your, your plan. Yeah. It's t- tried and tested. It's, there's, uh, it's been revised a number of times. I can't remember what number what, what we're on now, but 2019, I think it's the latest yeah. And uh, it's they always, again, ISO themselves go through that continual improvement. They review and they work. Mm-hmm. And these are a body of experts around from around the world. So the language is simple and the uh, message is you know, well thought out. And hopefully, this is what we always hope, that it's um, doable. It's scalable. So if you're, again, if you're a large organization, uh, it works for you. If you're just two people or one person, it's actually surprisingly applicable to a, a small group like that or small business, Yeah. and it's just a good standard. It's just a good way. It covers all the bases, really.
0: Yeah, and it's, dem- it's demonstrable as well, isn't it? From that from that perspective, the fact that it's universal because anyone can say, "Yes, I've got a business continuity plan," but mm-hmm. <laughs> that doesn't answer the question: Is it any good? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well yes, and I think uh, I'm beginning to find a lot more uh insurance companies are asking their clients, especially high risk uh yeah. companies and so on that their business continuity even though the 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 company's comfortable with their own business continuity plan but their the comp, uh, insurance companies are asking, could you uh, you know have it aligned at least or comply with twenty two three oh one because uh, then they understand, the insurance company will understand that you're doing what you're doing and you're doing the right thing. So there's that external that uh, external kind of influence of having to have the standard or having to comply to it. But then it means that as a financial reward, your your premiums, gonna, well, you, you get insured for starters and your premium yeah. should be a little bit less because you're demonstrating your competence and your ability to sort of recover from potential disasters.
0: Yeah, and there's there's also your point in the supply chain, isn't there? If if you're if you're a supplier to somebody and uh, you're essential to their to their continuity, it's, it's highly reassuring for them, isn't it? That um, that you're also compliant with the standard.
1: Yes, that's so important, especially now in, in this culture of um, uh, of just uh, just in time supply circuit. Mm-hmm. I was uh, told the other day, and this is a Ukrainian thing that uh, Porsche. Uh, release wanted to release their uh, a range of EV cars and uh, the certain components are small but there were connectors for their the wiring were all manufactured in Ukraine so because of the war they've had to you know stop that that's not quite a disaster we all want to encounter and although maybe it's not quite relevant but uh, the point is is that it's so easy to stop a whole supply from a small component that you're dependent on from one organization from one company but yes, you're right. Companies like to see that you're resilient, that you're taking on your security, you're taking on your quality, and you're taking on and very importantly your disaster recovery plans.
0: What what resources are out there to help meet the business continuity management standard?
1: Um well by the by the uh, it's only a hundred and something pounds, I don't know, 150, 160 pounds by the standard. Yeah. yeah. As a start don't be overwhelmed. There's a lot of words and it. it's true and it's the language can be, I'm saying it, it can be a bit different from what you are used to, but it, it actually makes sense when you read it and then you sort of start applying it from a business point of view. Um, if you have, if you can afford to get a either train someone within the business to implement and it can be one week course somewhere, or it could be even correspondence course, something like that. But if you can have them qualified and trained up, so that they understand what the business, what it involves, yeah. and how to apply this, that um, especially if you wanted to go for certification, uh, that's something that the auditors like to see that there is, as I said, competence within the organisation. Uh, failing that, then uh, if you can afford to use a consultant. Use a consultant on a part-time basis, and they can take on a lot of. You know, they can be the expert, the doer, and also the inf- the, the teacher, the learner. They'll teach everyone else around them how to do what they have to do. Uh, there are sort of like practical tools. There are, I mean, from from a technology point of view, there are plenty of tools out there to help you with it, and also insurance. I think insurance is a very important thing. So, can we talk about how you deal risk? I think the most important thing in everything we do now is to sort of understand what your risk is and also understand how you're going to deal with it. And insurance is one way of actually, you know, passing that responsibility on to someone else. So it helps.
0: Yeah. And there may well be resources um, within your insurance provider and so on who... who Sometimes could, who could support conditional. That,
1: you. Yeah. 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 I mean, okay. Just to sort of extend the point, the, the thing about cloud computing, it takes a lot of. This is more of a data aspect of it. It takes a lot of that responsibility away from uh, your company to look after the data, yeah, and to look after the infrastructure as well. Because then, instead of having one or two guys fixing everything and doing it, and you will, and you will get a very good service that way you have thousands of technical experts who look after your email or look after your storage online if you're using the bigger names like azure or google cloud or aws yeah. so that actually takes and they have their own disaster recovery plans and on board yeah and also uh if you're if you' unit although over the last two and a half years covid well two years covid has um meant that people are working from home well, I suppose that's a huge disaster, but because of the adoption of Clyde and the increase uh, over the COVID period, an increased adoption of Clyde meant that that flexibility was in. So business could carry on as as normal.
0: And that's the important thing about continual learning that you mentioned earlier as well, because <laughs> the landscape changes. And, and therefore yeah. your plan and everything around that will, will will have to continually evolve and change as well.
1: That's right. Yeah. You've got to, you know, as you say, you've got to keep your eye on the ball and make sure that your company, your company changes. It's not just the external elements, your internal, uh, elements of your business. You expand, you reduce in size, you relocate the, all these things are all have to be taken into consideration. So whenever you do, you know, anything that happens, uh, you take on board, you just think about it and deal with it.
0: Yeah. And having that broad framework to step back into is really useful, isn't it, in that situation, because it brings you back to something that's fairly easy to follow, I guess.
1: That's right. If you think of it as being, it's modular in a way, it all, it all, it all, you know, folds into each other. Um, The idea of if your circumstances change, you're going to adapt different parts of the whole framework to fit, rather than changing the whole framework. You know, it's just, you know, you, you move location, Or you work from home, you change, everyone's going to work from home. Then you change the, you know, the, um, that, that element of those, the plan that actually would be affected by that. And, and then awareness, the most, actually one of the things that I should have mentioned and I really wish I had mentioned earlier is that there's a focus on awareness of teach, of telling people what to do. Mm -hmm. It's a really, really important element of it. So if something goes wrong, they know who to phone or they know. Uh, what the sort of procedure is uh, to get malware exactly what do you do you know if you feel like you've you know if your computer's been stolen even or the the building's not open anymore do you have an emergency number to call or in the more sort of front, front end of things maybe something's happened that you're the point of contact for the emergency services so Another thing also is your press release. If you're a company with a slight profile, you want to make sure that everyone has reads from the same page. So you have your press release, and so you know what to communicate out there. And that that is reassuring for any of any of your customers so that they know there's a coherent plan, for steady message. That's reassu- it is actually really reassuring. It helps a lot.
0: Yeah, and great to have something that you can turn to in a crisis <laughs> that's already pre prepared rather than having to develop that thing at the moment of crisis when (laughs) there's too many things to handle already, yeah.
1: Uh, I totally agree. I think one of the things I I have uh, contributed to is probably a few extra hours sleep for some executives that they don't have to worry about what happens if, you know, they've got other problems, they can stay awake over, but this is one less thing for them to stay awake.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Now, I I mentioned in in the intro that there's been increased take-up of the standard recently, which is, which is great news. But, but why do you think some organizations still won't go down this route?
1: Well, one of the major, uh, yeah, I think one of the major issues for a lot of organizations is that they get overwhelmed by the idea of implementing a standard, any standard. Hmm. 22, 301 is not the biggest, but we'll feel like it'll interfere as the, interfere with the business and costs a lot of money. And, there is definitely a need for resources. Uh, it doesn't have to be. It, you can fit it to work with you. I think probably the most important thing is having the time for it. But you, you know, the, the whole um, element of this is trying not to overwhelm the business since it just being totally focused on getting uh, the certification. Quite often when you talk to the um, certification bodies, they will give you a year, two years, whatever. It's There's no rush for that to happen. Yeah. And also whenever you do get your certification, you, I wouldn't say you get away with a lot, but I think there's a lot, There's a, you have got a lot of space, a lot of, you have to tick the boxes, you have to make sure you follow, you have got at least the baseline of what the standard is. But then, you know, you get uh, your annual uh, audits will go and then it'll recommend things and it'll steadily help you improve as well as you go along. So the idea is, yeah, you don't want to spend all your time doing it. You want to spend some time doing it, but you've got to make sure that it doesn't interrupt your business either. And I think most people are frightened that it'll take away from their business time, the resources needed for it.
0: Yeah, no, I guess there's, other fears, isn't there, around it? the fact that it feels like a test <laughs> and that, that t- tests always feel like they could have negative consequences, but I, I guess with a standard, it's always positive outcomes because the, the, the reason behind the test is to just establish where you're at and then where you therefore need to move to beyond your, your current position. Yeah.
1: Oh, I totally agree. It is, I it is, I do think the metaphor of a test is actually quite interesting because um, you need to study for a test. So, you need to do, you do need to work at it to make sure that you are applying what the standard says and you're reviewing it. And uh, you, everyone, and you're making sure the message is being, everyone is aware because one of the things people will be, well, I would hope one of the things I would have just were tests is how aware uh, the, the, the organization and the whole is of what they have to do and when they have to do it and so on. So, if you do nothing, you're going to be. It well, would never, it'd be very hard to fail the test, but you'd be told, to sort it out. Um, I think it's a, by, through non-conformities of a minor, or if you get a major non-conformity, which is quite serious. But then that keeps you on your toes. You've got to think of it that way. You, it's, it's a case of, if you're serious about this, it will keep you on your toes and make sure that you are ready for anything that could come at you.
0: So I guess any of us who are interested in managing risk should be seeking to influence our colleagues and even other organizations to meet the standard, especially especially following recent events. So a bit of a summing up, Colin, in a way, you know, give me a give me a bit of a sell on ISO twenty two three oh one. Sum up basically what we've just gone through. Try and convince me and anyone listening to adopt this and uh, and to help anyone. Listening to pass on that message to others as well.
1: Sure. Uh, okay. So the there's a lot of myths around s- implementing standards. It again, as I said just now, that it takes a lot of business time. It doesn't have to if you plan it correctly. You, it could be a couple of hours a week to implement something like this of someone's time. You would hope it's not an IT project. Uh, it's a it's a business project, which uh, which is really important. It's universally understood. It's globally understood, I should say. Uh, if you have it, people know what you have, Yeah. which in turn is a great marketing ploy. Any ISO standard is a great marketing thing to have. I think one of the most common ones is 9001, and a lot of gut work, if you want to work with government departments and even a lot of private departments they insist on that standard and i'm finding there's a creep for disaster recoveries exactly the same in cybersecurity they want you to have those standards implemented because it means that it saves them having to audit you and it saves you having to be audited by them cuz i don't know if you ever filled in any of these disaster these sort of cybersecurity type forms in because you haven't got 27k or the disaster recovery form in because you haven't got 22301 it takes a long time And it's really, and you you have to do really well. If you have the certificate, it really is a big sort of gold star beside your company name, and and it will help you get up the list if you're uh, bidding actively bidding for work. Yeah, and the cost of it, it shouldn't cost that much. It depends, but the the certification process is made in a way that it'll fit with your business size. You know, so if you're a small business, you're probably two people have a one-day audit. You just pay for one day for an auditor. If you're a large business, then it sort of relates. You have, I think it's over, over 200 people. It could be a four-day audit and so on. So it's uh, don't quote me on that, I have to say. But I know it does go up over the certain bandings, the length of the audits, but it has to be like that because the larger you are, the more sophisticated your work is. Yeah. And also, lastly, it's that um, the executive, as well as the operative, uh, will understand have a clear idea of what's expected in general. It just clears the vision. It means there's no misconception if it's, you know, it's crystal clear what has to be done and how it has to be done.
0: Wonderful. Any, any other messages you'd like to get across to our audience of risk managers, as well as insurers and insurance brokers?
1: I think encouraging uh your if you're a broker, encouraging your clients to adopt at least the practice and not go as far as getting certified and proving that you have that and that's proven through documentation. I think that's a really that's the step in the right direction if if you can do that. Um I think the problem is making sure that they're they're um doing it rather than uh sort of ticking boxes or anything like that. But if you can do that I think that will save you as a if you're measuring risk and also the one of the, the business impact and also risk analysis are so important within the standard it helps you probably as a if you're trying to understand the sort of risk element of a business it helps you understand what their risks are there's a kind of a osmosis of information going around that probably saves you or saves even executive makes sure that they understand what risks they're doing and they're you know if they do it as a kind of implied or built into anything they do is okay so we're going to do this process we're going to do this uh what's the risk and also what comes of risk is also opportunities people don't realize that so by you know the risk of the sort of the spending of the resources with your disaster recovery and finding that you have got a problem somewhere, you might find that the solution of the problem actually has a a very positive uh, impact on the business. It could be working from home. You might discover using cloud computer uh, infrastructure works a lot better because then you can reduce the size of your premises and save some operation costs there uh, and so on. So it just helps you understand and helps other businesses, parts of your business, understand each other as well
0: brilliant great stuff colin thank you so much for your insight today no oh, you're welcome and it's uh it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um if people want to find out more about services and so on you offer where where should they go presumably to a website colin yeah
1: um i would love to say come to my website uh but it's it's not working very well at the minute but i think if you (laughs) i think start at bsi uh for example they've got a huge um, i'm not there are others they're just the biggest they've got a large they're a large resource uh follow them on linkedin you don't have to use them, but just for their information that they turn out, they are the kind of the British standard holders for the UK. So they know everything that's going on. Standards don't just come in for, for disaster recoveries, all this sort of bad stuff. They're also there for manufacturing, for building, for health. I think there's a new standard for mental health as well coming out to help people. So, I mean, these are all things that they're not to be sold to you. They're there to help your business, help your organization, and um, so, that, I think that's a really big resource. There are other plenty of other companies out there uh, that will have information for you. I'd like to say, come to it. Uh, sorry, construct dot net websites. It is sort of running. I'm feeling quite sort of marketing wise, quite embarrassed. But um, it is sort of
0: nobody likes their own website these days. <laughs> it's,
1: it's, uh, no, my I don't think it loads up now. I just haven't done anything with it. But um, and so again. <laughs> Um can, I well maybe I'll get my it later It's
0: it's not as bad as Colin's making it out. And it's uh, <laughs> it's construct.net, yeah, with a with it with it with a, with a okay. K. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Yeah. yeah.
1: That's my disaster, okay.
0: But everyone yeah. else's is better than mine, yeah. Yeah, yeah.
1: Greener <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's the Greener Fields syndrome. But, uh, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Brilliant, Colin. Thank you. <laughs> okay once again you. for your time. Really enjoyed chatting.
1: Uh, cheers. Thanks, Johnny.
0: And that's all for this episode of the Risk Acumen podcast. If you have any questions or comments around the topic we've been discussing today or any of our other risk-related content, please head to our LinkedIn page. You can find a link to that at riskacumen.co.uk. Thanks again, Colin, and to everyone listening in. And until the next time, goodbye for now.